listening to the Jisco Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Wyatt from the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. And I'm TJ Jeskowitz from Ragbri. And uh, you've also got AKA Murph on board today. It's uh, three of us in the uh, studio today. Well, actually, that's not true. Two of us in Iowa City, and uh, you're over in Des Moines or Ankeny. Where are you at today? I am at the mothership in Des Moines, downtown snowy Des Moines. So, uh, and oh. you are, in case you're wondering, you are listening to the Jisco Bike Podcast, where we talk about bikes just for the fun of it. Come for the bikes, stay for the fun, leave with a smile. I guess that's our motto, isn't it? So in case yeah, you just happen to be looking it. for some other kind of podcasts and you stumbled upon us, this is the Jisco Bike Podcast. It's usually Mark and I, but today we're joined by AKA Murph. Welcome, Murph. Hey, everybody. And and what do we owe this pleasure to have have Murph sitting in with us this morning, Mark? What's going on? You know, we we were just all sitting at the office at the same time, and I I, I said, Murph, let's switch things up a little bit and bring you in. And she says, Okay, no problem. Sounds good. So we're here. Very appropriate because we're also going to have pair talk on here. So we'll have basically all four of us being microphone controllers this week, and that's that's kind of nice. cool. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Well, good. So I, I just, you know what? I just listened to the podcast that Murph did, um, you know, with the I Know Jack Foundation. And I tell you what, you're you're going to love the interview that Murph did. Great job, Murph. And, um, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, it, it's it's one of the cool things that we do in our, our world when we can work with people like that, that we're, we're making a little bit of a difference. I don't, I don't know your thoughts on a Murph. I mean, it was a, an interview, but ones like that, I feel really good that we're able to try to make a difference in this world. Oh, yeah. It was a great interview. Uh, Marty and his wife put together this foundation um, because of their son uh, and his uh, about with brain cancer when he was very, very young. So it's called the I Know Jack Foundation, and it works uh, real closely with Livestrong. And Ragbri has a big part to do with all of the those connections. So it was a great interview, and Marty's such a great guy. He does a lot for uh, Cedar Rapids and just the state of Iowa in general. Well, Marty's not the only team out there that is supporting uh, charities along the way. We've, um, I think it kind of really picked up big time when Livestrong came on Ragbri. It's probably been close to, whoa, 10, 12 years ago. And what we've seen a lot of times are there are people that ride on behalf of their charity. And before that, there was so many different I guess, charitable organizations that said, hey, let's do a bike ride to raise funds. It used to be in the old days, let's do a golf tournament or let's do a 5K road race. And all of a sudden we had all these charitable organizations saying, hey, let's do a you know 30-mile bike ride. And the challenge was a lot of those events weren't real safe. They had you know, people that really didn't understand um, – how to put on a large scale bike event and they knew the fundraising angle and all that. So what we've seen lately is events like Ragbri or maybe Bacoon or Pigtails is the charitable organization is saying, Hey, let's just link up with a really established fun event like Ragbri. We'll do all the fundraising, but our people, the focus of our year will be on an event like Ragbri where we'll leave the bike logistics to them. We'll worry about promoting our charity and, and raising funds for that charity. And I think Livestrong really, really captured that model and started a, a neat trend that we see today. I know Pedaling for Parkinson's comes out, uh, various MS groups, a whole host of other, I know, um, 
you know, the, you know, save the, the monarchs. I mean, a whole bunch of different organizations have kind of taken that model and said, Hey, how can we do something like Livestrong did? So my hat's off to those guys. Some of them real good friends that we started long, long time ago with, with the Livestrong movement. Some of them have moved on to other events like our good friend, Chris Brewer that's now over at, at Parkinson's over in Denver, Colorado, and they're putting a rag team together. So, but it's good to see, um, you know, that, that team with Marty out there each and every year. Yeah, we partnered with the National Kidney Foundation this year on Bay Coon, and I think that's going to be another strong, uh, strong partner to uh, to uh, have involved in in a in a ride. Yeah, you're right. Why put on your own bike ride when you can partner with somebody else and they can do all the uh, the logistics work and you can concentrate on the fundraising parts, which is really what you're in it for, and not have to worry about the expense and the insurance and all the other stuff that goes with it. So, yeah, it does make quite a bit of sense. You know, I think people think this is easy to put on these bike bike events. And, uh, I think <laughs> TJ, you make it look easy. Uh, uh, well, you know, we've been doing this for a little while, and so again, <laughs> we the worst thing possible would be to have someone go on a, on a charity event and get hurt, and or right. or you know, I mean, there's been some fatalities across the country on on other fundraising events, so. You know, like Mark said, just worry about the fundraising, worry about the promoting the awareness and then let the the bike professionals um, do the other work. So cool. Well, cool. Well, uh, I guess you've ridden a few times with Marty then over the years. Is that that right, Murph? Oh, definitely. Yeah, he does. He does some charity bike rides, but then also just socially. um, Great guy. So, TJ, um this week is uh, town meetings, right? Yeah, all the towns are coming into Des Moines, and we have our all towns meeting, which is basically the eight overnight towns for for 2018 will converge on Des Moines, and then uh, we have presentations by last year's towns, the 2017 towns, and they'll kind of roll out the ideas that work, some things that didn't work real well, things that they heard from riders, hey, we really liked how the campground or the entertainment or, or whatever was set up. So we're, we're basically a one-day workshop where everyone will come in, learn some really neat um, things about RAGBRAI, take it back to their community and see how they apply. And so we're, we're probably about close to 200 people right now on the RSVP list. So that'll happen Thursday, uh, right at the downtown Holiday Inn. So uh, looking forward to that one. This is where things start to get real for these towns. They're, uh, now they're going to start meeting each other and they start competing a little bit more. And, and uh, you know, now they know the work ahead of them has to get done. And, and uh, in order to house everybody and, and feed everybody and, and uh, make sure everything's safe. So, yeah, things start to get real at this moment and, and uh, they start to have a lot of fun, too. Yeah. Well, that's what it's all about. Let's have some fun. And um, if we can give them a little education about, you know, what, what are those special touches that riders are looking for? That's all we're, we're doing. They're going to take that and run with it. But right now they're thinking about themes. They're thinking about bands. I would say probably half the bands are already booked uh, throughout the week. Um, I don't think too many have really come out publicly and announced their bands. But we have lots of information about that coming uh, in the near future. But, um, you know, definitely lots of fun. So kind of keep tuned to this podcast. We'll fill you in. I know we've, we've done two town interviews already. We talked to Denison and we talked to Iowa City. Hopefully by... By the time Ragbri rolls around, we'll complete it all um, all eight overnight towns and give you a little snapshot about what you can expect in each of those towns. 
Very cool. Well, let's uh, let's roll with this week's interview and uh, let's just go bike. Well, hello, Just Go Bike podcast listeners. This is Kathy Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and I am here today with Marty Hager. Uh, Marty is a newly elected city council member in Cedar Rapids. Go Cedar Rapids. And he's a real estate developer in the area, a bicycle advocate, and of course, a bicycle enthusiast. So that's why he's here. Hey, Marty. Hi, Kathy. How are you? Murph. (laughs) Great. How are you? Good. So Marty's currently employed with Graham Construction. And today I'm going to talk to him about bicycling and also an advocacy foundation that he founded with his wife. So let's get started. So Marty, how did you get into bicycling? Well, it's a kind of a bittersweet story. Mm -hmm. Uh, My son was diagnosed at age five with brain cancer. Okay. And uh, so we... We should probably give a quick shout out to Jack right now. My son, Jack. Hey, yep. Jack. <laughs> it's a great story. He's, he's 18 now, so yes. he's in remission for a long time. Uh, but at age five, he was diagnosed with cancer, and uh, he was going through his treatment uh, around that 2005, 2006 era, and uh, spent a lot of time in the hospital, mm-hmm. a lot of channel surfing, and uh, watched Lance Armstrong win a couple of tours okay. while we were in the hospital. And a good friend of mine sent me the book, It's Not About the Bike, by Lance Armstrong, mm-hmm. which uh, then got us a little bit connected with the Livestrong Foundation. Yep. And in 2007, the Livestrong Foundation brought a team up to Iowa to ride Ragbri. Oh, really? The Livestrong Foundation, yep. Okay. And it was on the radio. I was driving back from Mayo Clinics, and there was an advertisement that said, spend a week with Lance on the bike, mm-hmm. which was a daunting task for me because I didn't own a bike. <laughs> Hadn't ridden a bike since I was 12. So biking wasn't uh, top of mind at that time. No, absolutely not. Uh, so when we heard that, I decided, you know what, this is something, one way that I can try to give back. Mm-hmm. So I raised uh, some funds. I think it was 1500 bucks at the time and uh, signed up to ride Ragbri for the first time ever. I'm a uh, born Iowan mm-hmm. and thought everybody was crazy going on Ray Price, <laughs> spending their vacation time in a tent. Right. And I was way out of my element. Um, on that, that first year, we had 120 some riders. For Livestrong? For Livestrong. And I would say probably it was a fantasy camp for a lot of bicyclists. Mm-hmm thinking they were going to spend every day riding a bike with Lance. Right. And maintaining 25 miles per hour. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Whether you're going uphills or downhills. Right, right. That, that was not me. Yeah. So. I know that I remember that year because uh, they had a, um, a school bus that they converted. Yep. And it was painted black and it said Livestrong. And I was not part of the Livestrong team, but every time I saw the bus, I definitely you know, opened my eyes and was like, oh, I'm sure that I'm sure Lance is just hanging out at this bus somewhere. <laughs> you know, he, he did come to camp. Um, but that, that bus was, uh, dreamt up by Steve head. Okay. From head wheels. Yeah. And Steve was on our team multiple years and okay. hung out with us. A uh, great guy. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, it's unfortunate what happened, but, uh, he passed way too young, mm-hmm. but, uh, that, that bus is kind of a icon of our team. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So you uh, completed your first drag bri. That I did year. every mile of it. Every mile. Yep. Cried about every other mile. <laughs> um, but uh, that was my goal. I was going to do one year and be done. And then uh, the just the friendships and uh, bond that I made with our team 
and and others. I mean, just so to give you an example, of my experience. Uh, the first day I got back to camp, one of the last ones in the camp, and one of my teammates said, "How'd you like it?" And I said, "I hated it. <laughs> I hated everything about it." And he said, "Well, what was wrong?" And I said, "I spent all day by myself." Ah. And he said, "Dude, you did not. You had ten thousand people right. to talk to. What's your problem?" Right. So that turned kind of my mindset of writing on Ragbri, because you turn to your right, you turn to your left, and there's always somebody there. Yeah, and small talk is so easy because you have the same thing in common. Exactly. You have to ride your bike to the next yeah, town. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, but this year uh, was my twelfth year of riding. I've done every year. Excellent. And uh, it's it's like a the Livestrong family keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, it grows, and uh, we just we have a great time. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of how I got into cycling. Um, and uh, uh, I have multiple bikes now. I was going to say, are you still riding that same bike from year one? I'm not. <laughs> I actually, I, I conned a friend of mine to go on Rag Bride with me, so I gave it to him. Oh, okay. And so um, my my bikes have grown, uh, one for kind of every season. Sure. <laughs> just because I, I see a shiny one in the store, and <laughs> oh, I got to have that one. Right. I got to have that one for gravel, and that one for winter, and that yeah. one for fast riding, and that one for cruising. Why don't... I think I have one that's for fast riding. It just doesn't go very fast. The motor's not very good. <laughs> it, it, and I feel the same way, and really I don't want it to go very fast, right. at least this, at this point in my life. Well, gravity takes me pretty fast downhills, yeah. but uphills it's not so fast. <laughs> Excellent. Well, if you take the connection of Livestrong and with your son Jack, um, it sounds like uh, somehow in that mix you decided to start your own foundation, which is called I Know Jack. Can you tell us a little bit about that foundation? And, um, you know, obviously it is because of Jack, but uh, how did that start and where is it now? So one of the requirements to ride with the Livestrong Foundation is they, they ask you to raise funds for the foundation. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first year uh, we raised some funds. It was $1,500 again, and I think I wrote a check myself for like 800 bucks. Part of it was because so many people had given to us mm-hmm. because of Jack's illness. I, I really felt bad asking people to give, pay, mo- give more, more money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the second year, uh, my wife and I had a little church banquet type barbecue and in a church hall um, over here at St. Pat's. And, and we raised about $6,000. Oh, my. Yeah. And uh, we had a DJ and we served beer and food and the whole philosophy behind it was to raise awareness raise some funds and have everybody just have a good time and um, my wife calls it the fun raiser because you know you so many times you go to these and they're just kind of boring right Um, everybody's got to dress up and you know you listen to people talk and then you leave and after you open your wallet that's right after (laughs) you open your wallet well we we feel like if people give money to us, we'll give them a good time. So right. that's that's kind of our philosophy and our fundraisers. Mm-hmm. Um, so over a couple of years, we started raising some real dollars, and we kind of felt like, you know what, to be good stewards of this money, we really need to set up a 501c3. Mm-hmm. We created a board, and um, and so that it's kind of snowballed since then. And so does the I Know Jack Foundation still exist today? It does. All right. It does. And what kinds of things do you do? So we have our big event. Uh, it's April 14th this year. Um, 
Last year, we brought in about a thousand people into the doors. I was um, one of them. And you were one of them. <laughs> absolutely. And uh, so what we do with that event is uh, we bring in two two bands and uh, one band has a reg rye theme to it. Oh, my God. It's one of my favorite bands. And I saw them for the first time ever, 2008, in Jefferson City. On Rag I think it was Jefferson City, but yes, mm-hmm. on Rag mm-hmm. And I just had this thought of, wow, how great would that be to have that band in your hometown? Should, we, should we say what the band is? Or should, wait, let's okay. keep going with your story. So, let's keep listeners wondering. Yeah, so uh, I came home from Rag and I was like, told my wife, we need to have a bigger party. No more DJs. <laughs> we need to have this band play at our event. And it's got to be big. It's got to be big. And she, you know, not hearing them was like, okay, it's a, it's a cover band, right? Mm-hmm. It, it is who it is. Uh, so we packed up a 14-passenger van and went to Rochester, Minnesota, and listened to them play. And within, like, the third song, she looked at me and says, we got to have them. Yeah. So right before their last set... Um, there may have been a couple drinks in me by this time, but I slipped backstage <laughs> and talked to the lead singer and said, you need to come to Cedar Rapids, Iowa and play at our fundraiser. He patted me on the back and said, here's my booking agent's card. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'll never see you again. Right. And please and, leave the backstage. Exactly. Please <laughs> like, just get out of here. <laughs> and, uh, within a week we had them booked. Really? Yeah. What do you think changed their mind? Well, I don't think it changed their mind. I think he was just like, okay, you, there's we're never going to hear from you again. We, I'm sure that a lot of people in the, in the, you know, they get a lot of requests saying, Oh, you're going to play at my wedding. And yeah. then they never hear from them again. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think he was thinking, well, it's a fundraiser mm-hmm. and they're not the cheapest band in the world, but, mm-hmm. um, we have great donors mm-hmm. that pay for the bands. Um, shout out to PCI. PCI. They stepped up. I walked into Mike Sundell's office and said, I want to have a fundraiser and it's going to be fun. And I want to have a band. And he said, We'll pay for it. Wow. So they paid for it. So and let's say who the band is because okay. they're my favorite on Red Bray. Johnny Home Band yeah. has been playing our event for seven years. Yeah. They come back every year and uh, become very, very good friends. And uh, front left stage, Team Liz Strong's always at the Johnny Home Band. Mm-hmm. And I'm always front right stage. And I'm telling you, he keeps everyone moving from the beginning of the concert to the end. He's just like high energy. It's awesome. He is what I tell people is the Jimmy Buffett of Ragbri. Oh, yeah. He's the one that when people look at the towns and they look at who the entertainment is, mm-hmm. they'll circle. If they go out one night, they're circling Johnny Home Band mm-hmm. night because he just he's a crowd guy and he and he brings people on stage and um, it's just a great time. And so we've we've kind of instilled that in our uh, in our fundraiser mm-hmm. and uh, we brought along um a band called the Roosevelts, which are always always awesome. They are so little connection there. Uh, a friend of mine from Livestrong Foundation played in the original band that the Roosevelts started down in Austin, Texas, and so he was a staff member and reached out to him because I heard some of their music and said, "Hey, would you guys want to open for Johnny Home Band?" He said, "Absolutely." They'd fly up here. Uh, and now they've since moved to Austin, Texas, or uh, to Nashville. Oh, okay. And they live in Nashville, and so this will be their fifth year, I believe, playing Dino Jack opening for Johnny Home Band. So I believe one night a year we have the best music in Iowa. Yeah, 
It is. It's a great, and the uh, venue is um, just called the Vets. The Vets Coliseum. Audito- Coliseum. Yeah, Vets Auditorium, and it's in the Coliseum. Yeah, it's an amazing venue. Um, so yeah, April fourteenth is when that event is happening, and it's basically called the I Know Jack Fundraiser. So, at the end of this podcast, let's make sure we do a shout out again and yeah. uh, show up the website and all that good stuff. So. Um, so back to Jack specifically. You said he's now 18 years old? Yes. All right. And I've seen him several times on a special bicycle with you. And I'm super curious to know a little bit more about that bike and maybe describe to the listeners what it's all about. So because of my all my years on Ragbri, um, we would have every night we'd have a team meeting. Mm-hmm. And in that team meeting, we would talk about the day. We'd talk about who we, you know, the events that we had and our experience on the road. And sometimes Jack would, because it would be close to our hometown. So one, three years ago, we we spent the night in Corville, mm-hmm. 20 miles from my house. And uh, Jack was at the team meeting and we were wrapping up the team meeting and he kind of raised his hand. He said, can I speak? And so they let him speak. And... Uh, he said, I want to ride Ragbri. Ooh. Yeah. So we said, okay, how's that going to look? Jack doesn't have balance mm-hmm. because of his brain cancer that he's had. Um, so riding Ragbri is hard for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. The notion of Jack riding Ragbri is almost impossible because the other side of it is he can't deal with the heat. Ah, uh, okay. okay. So um we're just in our mind trying to figure out okay how is this going to work and maybe within a couple days he'll forget about it right well a couple things happened one he never forgot about it (laughs) and he consistently asked about it throughout the year and two a good friend of ours jeff Mulder, never forgot about it so jeff is a teammate lives in michigan and uh about may jeff calls me and says hey I want to know how you're going to live up to this promise to get Jack on a bike for Ragbri. Oh, wow. So the pressure's on, right? Yeah. So I did a little research. Uh, Freedom Concepts is a company out of uh, Canada mm-hmm. who builds special need bikes. Okay. So I reached out to them. Uh, Variety Club gives a lot of these Freedom Concept bikes away. Uh, so I reached out to them and had one built for Jack in Livestrong Yellow. Nice. And it was shipped to the house and uh it's it's a two-seater kind of stadium seating front back mm-hmm. one wheel in the front two wheels in the back so it's a three-wheeler um steering it's got pedals for the front and the back steering is only in the back um i will tell you uh so two years ago we rode for the first time we did a 15 mile stretch on ragbri on ragbri nice about uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, which is late for Ragbri, our entire team rode out together. With Jack. With Jack. Excellent. Leading the pack. Yeah, excellent. And we wanted to get, we wanted a, a later start so we didn't get into that big rush mm-hmm. and hold people up. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things about this bike is it's got seven gears. Ooh. <laughs> was it hilly that day? I it don't remember. For the first five miles, which was my pole, was hilly. Oh, no. And, uh, you know, so one of the shout out to TJ when you say, hey, here's the elevation for the day. You could, like, that first five miles would have been nice to know. Right. I would have pulled some other day. All <laughs> the elevation other, happened yeah, in the first five miles. Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> um, so we rode 15 miles, had a great time, a lot of tears. Um, a news 
podcast, stopped us on the road, did an interview. Excellent. It was awesome. Yeah. So that was Jack's first experience on Reg Bry, and uh, it's a great memory. Um, that same year was the first year that my 14-year-old Ben rode every mile. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. bringing the family along. Sure. And, uh, trying to convince my daughter, who's now 14, that she needs to do it, but mm-hmm. she's not quite there yet. She's not ready. Right. Right. <laughs> she needs a couple other friends. That's right. Who are doing it, and then it'll be cool, and then she'll want to do yep, it. Yep. Yep. But yeah. Ben wanted the challenge, and mm-hmm. he rode the whole, yeah, you know, he rode the whole week, and then the day we got home, he started football practice, football camp. Oh. So yeah, he was. He had the quads ready for yeah, football. Absolutely. And, yeah. Absolutely. So. So I assume you'll be doing ragbri in the future. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Me too. So for sure. Yeah. Well, so speaking of fun things that you've done, um, several years ago, you had a vision for a little piece of land along the Cedar River here in Cedar Rapids that has turned into probably one of the most popular biking destinations in the area, uh, Sagwagon. Hopefully you remember this. I do. (laughs) Because I remember it. I remember when that street was just industrial and there was like this little shack thing, which is now the Sagwagon. So... I mean, I can see a lot of connections with bicycling, obviously, because of Jack and your experience the last decade. But how did Sagwagon come to be? So in in my very few training rides with um, uh, before Ragbri, which there was not very many training rides before Ragbri, but uh, I would ride the trail a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're just at that time. Uh, there wasn't a lot of places to just, I mean, it was just one, you ride to and from your car mm-hmm. or to and from your house. And there wasn't a lot of stops. And so um, I found this piece of property. It was a little shack of a building mm-hmm. and a chain link fence all the way around the property out to the road. Um, and the seller, his business expanded and no longer fit in the property. Mm-hmm. So they moved. And there was a for sale sign on the chain link fence. And I called them. And uh, at the time, honestly, I'd, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with the property, but I thought it's right on the lake. Yeah. It's one of the few waterfront properties left in Cedar Rapids. And so something had to happen. And one night I was down there doing some work and saw the skyline at night. And, you know, the steam coming out of Quaker Oats and their, mm-hmm. their light lights up the, the pond and the lake and... And so um, it just dawned on me that bike trail is right in front of this place. Yeah. And so I just kind of came up with this creative idea of what if we could establish a place that gives you the rag ride vibe? Mm-hmm. You know how you pull into a small town and you're in the back of a firehouse and the beer garden and the DJ's playing. And mm-hmm. it's just that kind of relaxed vibe and everybody's having a good time. Mm-hmm. And nobody cares that they're not wearing makeup or they just <laughs> slept in a tent and their hair is whatever. Right. And and so um, the great thing about Ragbri is everybody's in biking gear, wearing a bike helmet. You don't know if they're a doctor, lawyer, plumber. But isn't that the truth? You know, yeah. and so that's kind of the vibe I wanted to have for the sag wagon mm-hmm. was the funny thing is, is a sag wagon is about 900 square feet mm-hmm. of a building, and we have about an acre of outside. Yeah. So it's really promoting just kind of overlooking the lake, kind of a relaxed atmosphere, and uh, and and that's the vibe I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so. And as a customer, 
um, it is exactly what you just stated because you pull up and I think there's, I don't know how many, let's say 10 parking spots for cars. And then there's what, over a hundred, about 145 bike racks, bike racks. So the first thing you see when you pull in is this teeny tiny building and then, you know, a hundred some, uh, parking spaces for bikes. And right away you're like, Oh man, this yeah. is a bike, you know, bar. It's actually also a restaurant. So, you know, it's very family friendly. It's a great uh, place for Cedar Rapids. So, and what's funny about it is, sharing my vision when we were doing the the remodeling, a lot of people said, "Well, you're crazy. One, bicyclists don't spend money. Oh boy, they don't. You know, why would you waste all that space on bike racks? You know, it's not going to work. You're in this area that's it's a dead end road, and they didn't understand. Well, the bike trail isn't a dead end. Mm-hmm. The bike tra- that location is kind of the hub of our bike trail in Cedar Rapids because yep. it goes around the lake and then it spawns off in different areas. Mm-hmm. So uh, my partner at the time, Joe, and I just we stayed consistent with our theme. And, mm-hmm. you know, we had a lot of people saying, well, maybe you should cater to some Harley people because you're off the interstate. And maybe mm-hmm. you should cater to softball teams because they like to you know, come someplace like this outside after mm-hmm. games. And we just, nope, head down, vision strong. Yeah. We're going to be a bicycle yeah. establishment. And I think both of our hosts, uh, TJ and Mark, can verify that bicyclists do spend money. Um, I think the stat is each day of RAGBRAI, a million dollars is spent, you know, by all the participants that are on RAGBRAI. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, yeah, we don't walk in and spend a thousand bucks each, but you know, you're going to have a sandwich, you're going to have a beer or a soda or, or whatever, or two. And I, I think the perception is everybody would walk in and say, do you have water? Oh yeah. Oh. And, and it's usually in the form of barley and wheat <laughs> and, you know. Or with lemonade. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> with a lemon on it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for having that vision because Sagwagon is a great addition to Cedar Rapids. And since you started Sagwagon, a couple other bars have opened that are also, or let me say bar restaurants that have opened that are bicycle focused and along the trail. Yeah. So it's a win-win for businesses, but also for the cyclists in the area. So Absolutely. It keeps people on the trail yeah. and gives them destinations to ride to. Yeah. And uh, what we found is people would see how much fun it is and the people that have owned a bike in 20 years mm-hmm. went out and bought a bike yeah and then you see them the next year and they're in another bike because they're <laughs> like yeah that one was okay right starter bike I, yeah a starter <laughs> bike and uh it's just and it creates a lot of friendships yeah oh yeah definitely well where do you see uh bicycling in your future are you gonna you know you said you're gonna do rag bribe again yep uh so um, I'm on the city council now. Yep. So I, I sold my partnership out of the sag wagon. Okay. I kind of felt like if I'm going to put something on my plate, I got to take something off. Sure. And, um, and congratulations so, on becoming part of city council. Well, thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So part of, part of my vision on city council is to expand our bike trails. We so need it in we the, do. this population. And, and, and I meet with city staff quite often and I explain to them when we do road projects or we do you know, trail extensions that when they do a trail extension, you know, the trail doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. There should never be a dead end to a trail. Mm -hmm. So we need to figure out how do we keep it to loop? Where's it going to loop to? Mm -hmm. Where's that trail going to go? You got to have a vision for it. You got to have a purpose for it. And, you know, so the other 
vision I have is we have so many in Cedar Rapids, we have a lot of suburbs. Mm -hmm. And how do we safely bring those suburb bicyclists down into the main core of the trail? Oh, nice. From yeah. the neighborhoods down so it's safe. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people will drive their car and their bike down to the trail and ride. But um, I think we'd, we would gain more and more cyclists if they felt safe that they could ride from their house. From home, yep. Onto the trail, mm -hmm. be it a mile or two miles. But a lot of people just don't feel safe riding on the roads, mm -hmm. which I understand. Sure. Um, but uh, especially if they're going to go with their children. Mm -hmm. So... That's one of my outreaches with city staff and planning is how do we connect those neighborhoods to the trail system? Mm -hmm. And all of that takes time and money. So it's something Absolutely. that's ongoing yep. and at least you have the vision. So that's yep. really great yep. to uh, know that, uh, especially since I'm a cyclist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the other event we do with the I Know Jack Foundation is every fall we do a uh, I Know Jack bike ride. Uh -huh. And um, it's, it's, it's really kind of a pub stop, but uh, bike ride. It's about 16 miles, mm -hmm. four stops. Um, and again, it's just that kind of rag ish with way less miles, yep. but it's so, um, you know, like families can ride. Yep. And this last year I did see Jack was pedaling yeah. at least part of it. So Jack rides, yeah. rides. Yeah. The last two years he's ridden on it. Yep. Um, so what we do is for those of you that don't know, the sag wagon is on what's called Cedar Lake, and there's a trail that wraps all the way around the lake. So we start the ride up, and Jack leads everybody on a, a kind of an honorary loop mm -hmm. around the lake, and everybody follows him. And then we pull off to the side because we're not very fast and let everybody just go. Yep. And then we ride, you know, probably for the first couple miles through the downtown and and uh, to the first destination. Excellent. And then, uh, yeah, and then he gets in the sag. Yep. And he'll go to the different stops, and then we'll get, we'll return back to that location where his bike is, and then ride back to the sag. Oh, good! Yeah. So he gets to absolutely have the best of all worlds. Yep, yep. that's awesome. So that's great. Um, well, back to the big um, event that you have planned on April fourteenth. If people are interested, you know, maybe they're going to be in Cedar Rapids or they live in Cedar Rapids. Where can they find more information out about that? So we've got two locations. We have a Facebook page. I know Jack Foundation Facebook mm -hmm. page, and that'll show a lot of information on how you buy tickets. Mm -hmm. um, you you don't have to uh, buy tickets in advance, but uh, you can. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have tickets at the door, mm -hmm. um, and then we have a website that is uh, I know Jack Foundation .com. Easy enough. And also at that event, you have a pretty killer uh, silent auction. We do. I'm, I'm a sucker for that stuff because you have great donations. We do. We ha The community has really supported us. Um, so a lot of people ask us, well, where's this money go to? Like, does Jack really get all this money? Because why does he need it? He's in remission, right? Oh. And it's not a fundraiser for Jack. Right. It's a fundraiser for our foundation. Um, the funds, we still donate to the Livestrong Foundation. Okay. And then uh, we donate to the Helen G. Nassif uh, Community Cancer Center mm -hmm. uh, that's here in town. And then we created uh, what we call the I Know Jack Pack. And what they are, they're backpacks filled with um, comfort items, if you will, for the uh, people new, newly diagnosed. Uh, oh, with cancer? With okay. cancer. Mm -hmm. And so what happened when, when Jack was diagnosed, um, we were up at Rochester, Minnesota in Mayo, and uh, we were just getting flooded with all the stuff. And we didn't, I mean, imagine going from doctor's appointment to doctor's appointment, just carrying papers and papers and papers. And so finally, 
we went out to uh, the store and bought the biggest, bulkiest backpack we could find. Mm-hmm. And that that kept his, you know, his Game Boy at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it kept, you know, um, his pill organizer and mm-hmm. just anything that we ever needed. And so we came up with this idea of, you know, when someone's diagnosed, you know, there's so many things going through your mind that we want to provide some things in that backpack that will you don't need to think about. Nice. So some people don't think they may need a pill organizer. Mm-hmm. They may not think they need, you know, a skull cap. Uh, and there is a Livestrong guidebook that is like a journal. So when you're going to the doctor's appointments, you can take notes. Oh, okay. And it's organized mm-hmm. versus the way we did it with, you know, spiral notebooks and it's tearing out and where'd that note go and what right. was the name of that drug that we need to get, and, right. you know. So um, we just try to provide something uh, for the cancer patient to, you know, there may not be something, not everything in there is for everybody, mm-hmm. but hopefully there's something in there for everybody. Yeah. So um, so that's that's where we the funds go, yeah. That's excellent. It's, re- it's really the whole organization, the foundation is really, really a cool thing to have here in Cedar Rapids. Well, thank you. Definitely, yeah. So the biggest question that we ask everybody, especially since you've done RAGBRAI, what's your favorite pie? Well, I have found in 12 years you never go wrong when you find the Amish making homemade apple pie with homemade ice cream. Homemade. You can't beat homemade anything. No. Yeah. And uh, you can hear the ice cream machine, you know, popping from a mile away. Yep. And you know they've got pie. And you don't so. even care what it is, what flavor, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love apple pie, rhubarb pie. Yep. Those two are my favorite. But uh, yeah, if uh, and mostly they've got these really fancy uh, hay bales to sit on. Yep. So yeah. those are awesome. So you can relax, on. eat yeah. your pie, eat your ice cream, maybe go back for seconds. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. You don't have to tell anybody about that part. <laughs> <laughs> well, Marty, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's really been a, a good time. Well, thanks for having me. And thanks for all that you guys do. Um, oh, you bet. We, you know, one of my favorite things on RAGBRAI, unfortunately, is, you know, the Silent Mile. Right. I think that was a great thing to come up with. Right. Um, it's definitely an eye-opening time it to is. spend that mile to realize all the people that have not, will never be able to do that mile. Yep, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, listeners, I leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of Morphology. This quote comes from Clyde's Law. If you have something to do and you put it off long enough... Chances are someone else will do it for you. Think about it. I believe I can fly. That's right. This is AP and this is Parrot Talk. Um, today's a very special Parrot Talk because I got to ride my bike last weekend and that is the first time in 2018 that I have ridden a bike outdoors. So doesn't that feel good? Um, we took a nice little ride from Pleasant Hill up to Bondurant and back. And yes, I know it wasn't very long, but if you remember last Saturday, the headwind was about 20 miles an hour. So it was a challenging ride, um, to say the least. And also very enjoyable. Um, riding up to Bondurant is the favorite because there's not always a ton of people on the trail, you know, enough to be friendly and all that, but like I can kind of spread my wings if you know what I mean. So um, great bike ride. So I thought today I would talk a little bit 
about uh, getting ready for that first bike ride of the season because it always seems like it takes just as long to prepare for the first bike ride of the season as it does to actually take the first bike ride of the season, especially if you start out slow like I do. Um, and for those of you who have are awesome and excellent people who have been biking all winter, more power to you, but this parrot stops biking as soon as there's ice on the ground because I've fallen on the ice before and it is not pretty. And, you know, I, I'm i not built for that crap. Um, I You know, parrots are tropical birds. Um, but there'll be some information in here that you might find is a good refresher just, you know, to make sure that all your gear is ready and together and all that. Um, for me, I always keep all my bike gear in one spot in my basement. It's all together. It's all safe. It's all secure. But somehow when I get to the first bike ride of the year, I can't find most of it. So I don't know how that happens. I guess throughout the winter stuff walks away if I need it for biking indoors or other things. Um, or like I had for one bike, I had used the pedals when we went out to interbike last September and then never used them again. So I couldn't find those pedals, had to use a different bike. No problem there, but it took a few minutes of trying to figure that out. So step one, and I would do step one and two, maybe even the night before you plan on biking. Um, if possible, or else give you plenty yourself plenty of time to do this. So step one, locate bike um, <laughs> with most of the components still attached. Um, do a quick maintenance check. Make sure those tires are pumped up. Um, make sure your gr chain is greased up or not too greasy, which is usually my problem, so you don't get freaking grease all over your legs. Um, and make sure your brakes work. You know, just the basics. Shouldn't take very long, but like you're going to want those brakes. So, you know, get that. Um, next, step two, round up your gear. Find your helmet. Find your bike shoes. I couldn't find my bike shoes. I ended up having to use a really old pair. Still not totally sure where those shoes are, but um, since it's snowing today, I might have a little extra time to try to find those before my next bike ride, outdoor bike ride. Um, find your gloves. Um, find your water bottles. Uh, make sure they're clean. Nothing nasty has been going on in there over the winter. Um, make sure you pack some Kleenex, especially if you're like me and you have like hay fever type allergies. Oh, you're going to thank yourself for bringing more than one Kleenex out on that first bike ride of the year, especially if it's springtime and windy and all that. Um, make sure you bring your ID and at least a little bit of cash. So if you get in trouble, you can pay for a ride home, a new tire, um, a quick cheeseburger somewhere in case you get too hungry. Um, never a bad idea to have actual physical cash on a bike ride. You can bring a card if you want to risk it, but like a lot of these small places along the trails either don't accept cards or it's just more difficult to find one. Um, make sure you bring a snack. Um, even if it's just a granola bar or a plastic bag full of almonds or something like that, just in case because you're going to get hungry or if the wind takes you by surprise and you work harder than you thought. I mean, I'm someone who gets hangry. I like to prepare for that, you know, so that most people don't have to feel my wrath. <laughs> so um, make bring your light. Make sure you have your bike light. Make sure it works. Um, you never know. It gets darker really early this time of year. Um, could take you by surprise or it could get really dark and rainy you know, by surprise, again, the spring in Iowa especially is unpredictable. Um, never a bad idea to have that along no matter what. Um, make sure you have your bike lock with key or 
that a combination that you can remember. Um, because you, again, you never know when you might need to stop or lock up your bike. Um, God forbid something happens. You want to make sure your bike is secure if you have to leave it for any reason. Um, also make sure you just throw in some kind of zipping plastic bag for your cell phone, because again, if it could rain surprising you, um, you don't want to ruin your brand new iPhone or whatever the heck you have. Um, even if it's a flip phone, you got to protect that because could be an essential tool if anything bad happens or if you needed an emergency snack or if you want to take a picture of that bridge you just rode over. So those are my step one and two um, prep steps. Um, took me an embarrassingly long amount of time to do last Saturday. So maybe try to do that ahead of time. Okay, for the day of or after you finish step one and two, um, make sure you dress appropriately. Um, it's 50 degrees out. It's nice and warm, so it seems. But you never know how cold it might get when you get out in the open on a trail or if it starts getting windy. Um, layer, layer, layer. Always wear a light jacket, as my coworker Jeff says. Um, and, you know, probably pants, probably gloves. I mean, if you get hot, great. Make sure you have a, a bag big enough or a pocket big enough to stash those layers later on if you get hot. Um, there's nothing worse than being caught in spring rains and getting really freaking cold and then you just feel sorry for yourself the whole rest of the ride and that's not a good thing. Um, so yeah, dress appropriately, have storage space for those layers. Um, and I would say double check wind conditions before you head out. Um, last Saturday, if you remember in Des Moines, um, the headwinds were, or the winds were about 20 miles an hour plus. Um, and someone I know, Kyle Munson, uh, rode with the tailwind going out and then had to ride back with a huge headwind. That is not the way to go if you have any choice in the matter. We did the opposite and it was still really hard. Um, still really difficult. I think I'm still a little dehydrated from riding like 10 miles into an intense headwind with my mouth open. <laughs> so, you know, just kind of pay attention to what the winds are going to be like, especially if you haven't been exercising a lot over the winter, because you don't want to be stranded in a situation where you're just really, really, really tired and you still need to ride another 10 miles to make it home. So double check wind conditions. Um, and also while you're at it, do a quick safety check. Um, you know, it's good to remember these kind of things, keep refreshed on them. Um, can I be bright enough with the light or if reflecting material, if it gets dark, you want to be able to be seen, especially if you're planning on riding on actual roads and streets. Um, you know, it's, you want the cars to be able to see you and pedestrians and everyone else. Um, re remember to ride predictably in a straight line. Um, you know, it's for most of you seasoned cyclists, this won't be a big deal, but for the newer people in the group, um, sometimes it's hard to remember to point those handlebars straight and go straight. Um, but it's good to remember to practice that while you're alone and or with a smaller group before you hit a big bike ride like, say, RegPri. Um, and remember to call out your intentions, either on your left, on your right, passing, stopping, whatever. Um, it's just get, good to get used to saying those things out loud in a loud, clear voice before you get into a big group situation. And let me tell you, people walking on trails with dogs are going to really appreciate that. Um, they can't hold their dog appropriately, you know, make sure they don't run in front of you if they don't know you're coming. Um, if you're uncomfortable with yelling, first of all, get used to it. But second of all, get a bell. 
you know, a bell is a great way to alert people of your presence. But for the love of God, get one that's like cheerful and pleasant sounding instead of like ring, ring, ring. You know, there's nicer bells that are like ding, ding. You know, people like that. It sounds a little more polite. You know, um, my next tip would be keep your eye out for potholes. Those things are deadly. I saw a couple of potholes on my street that I think literally could fit an entire bike inside of them. Um, you don't want to be getting a flat. You don't want to be flipping over your bike because you accidentally run through a pothole that you didn't expect or that wasn't there last year. Um, same goes for giant cracks. Um, on, I'm specifically talking about the road, but they can happen on a path as well. Um, and for me, I have to ride on the road to get to the path. So, you know, kind of a double combo deal, especially on big downhills um, where you might not have enough time to stop or you might not be able to veer to one side or another, especially those um, bike lanes. Sometimes they don't get swept out this time of year. They still need the sand or the salt on the road. So they haven't brought the street cleaners through. Um, there may be stuff piled up in the bike lane. So just kind of keep an eye ahead of where you're riding. Make sure that it's going to be smooth pavement with traction. Um, and broken glass is a um, ha, is very common in that kind of bike lane situation as well. Um, so just, you know, again, stay alert, situational awareness, make sure you know where you're going. The scenery is going to be beautiful. The weather is going to be beautiful, but you got to pay at least a little attention to what you're doing and where you're going. Um, another tip, don't forget to keep track of your bike rides. If you're planning on trying to get to say 3000 miles this year or whatever, like I'll be lucky to get to, I don't know, 80,000. But anyway, <laughs> I'm going to try and keep biking. Um, make sure you keep track of what you're biking, either whether it's on an app online or if you have a spreadsheet at home. Um, don't forget to track that first ride because it counts just as much as the last ride. Um, I forgot to turn my, I, I had mine turned on, but I had it set to hiking. So it looked like I hiked like a marathon, <laughs> which would be really impressive. And I probably could never do. <laughs> but anyway, so I did log the miles anyway, but you know, just double check that you actually have it set correctly and on. So eat, drink water, take breaks and have fun on your bike rides as you start getting into the bike season of 2018. Um, and I can't wait to see you out there. Just go bike. Um, I should also say, um, if you have any questions for me, if you have anything you want to talk about getting ready for the bike season, are you in the middle of your bike season? Um, do you have any questions about gear, clothing, um, great places to eat? What is your favorite pie? Um, let me know at Just Go Bike, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, you can also email us, justgobikepodcast at gmail.com. Great way to get photos to us if you want us to see them. Um, or if you have a question or anything like that, or if you want to get a hold of me directly, I'm at ragbri underscore Andrea on Twitter, and I would love to tweet you there. Well, we've come to the end of another edition of the Just Go Bike podcast. Appreciate you tuning in this week and every week and listening to the trials and tribulations that Mark and I throw out there, as well as some of the great interviews that we hear each and every week on the Just Go Bike podcast. And I know this podcast wouldn't be possible without some really neat sponsors. So who are those, Mark? We're talking with Iowa City Corville as one of our best sponsors. And you gotta you got to keep your eye on them because they do all kinds of great things. The uh, Jingle Cross uh, World Cup coming back. 
uh, Ragbri coming in and just a perfect place to, to ride a bicycle. So come anytime to Iowa City and enjoy yourself. Bikes to You, one of the best bike shops in Grinnell. Um, also a Ragbrite charter and outfitter and bike rental, I believe, on Ragbrite. So if you're looking for any of those things, contact Bikes to You in Grinnell. And then finally, Primal Wear. If you're looking for custom bike jerseys, shorts, apparel, gloves, socks, whatever you need to outfit your ride in comfort, pick Primal Wear from Denver, Colorado. Yeah. And if you're looking to get those custom jerseys made or custom shirts or whatever, now's the time to start be thinking about that because, you know, hey, four months from now, Ragbri will be rolling across Iowa and you want to look good and feel good. So hit those guys up over at, at Primal Wear and I'm sure they'll get you some outstanding apparel to, to ride on Ragbri or any other event throughout the country. Well, good. So we had a great interview again. Um, we'll put some information up there about if you're if you're curious about the I Know Jack Foundation and, and other things like that. Hey, don't be afraid to just shoot us a note. Say, hey, you know what? We've got this really cool thing happening in our neck of the woods. Or, you know, you just got a topic that, you know, hey, you really wish someone would tackle. Shoot us a note. That's how we get a lot of our ideas on this podcast or Parrot Talk or any of the other features along the way. So uh, I know Murph and, and AP are out there always looking for great ideas we are as well i know i've got some um, interviews lined up in the near future um and and i will leave before we sign off i just want to give a shout out to our good friend steve cannon who completed the i did a ride over in alaska i think he was on the bike for five and a half days or something crazy like that throughout the wilderness uh unsupported just crazy stuff and um if you don't know steve he's a member of team bad boy so that gives you a little indication of his sanity to begin with but uh i'm sure we're going to get steve on this podcast to talk about what the heck was going through his mind as he's trudging across the tundra of alaska so um just tip of the helmet to steve great job buddy you you do us always proud um iowa proud and look forward to hearing from you down the road All right, I got a quote to uh, lead us out of this. All right, Mark, go for it. Jans Voigt, you know Jansy. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, He said, uh, when my legs hurt, I say, shut up, legs. Do what I tell you to do. I think that's going to be my training motto for this, uh, this spring coming up. All right, let's get out and bike. All right, just go bike. Thanks again for listening. Let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review. They really help us out a lot and help others find the show. For more information, check out justgobike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer.